Accountability is compassionate. Conflict builds trust. Switches influence our mindset. At first glance, none of these statements may seem to make a lot of sense. But 30 minutes from now, you will probably be embracing the ideas behind them. Ideas that lead us to powerful truths which will improve life and leadership. Today, we dig into compassionate accountability with a very special guest. Hello, colleagues, and welcome to the Assistant Principal Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Frederick Buskey. We are all on a leadership journey. Every day, we have a chance to grow. Every day, we have a chance to help others grow. My goal and the goal of this podcast is to help you grow into being a strategic leader, a leader who puts people before purpose, who solves problems instead of treating symptoms, and who understands the difference between progress and action. Through this podcast, my daily email and virtual programs, I'm working to build a network of inspired and inspiring school leaders. Let's get started on today's adventure and this unique opportunity to learn to live and lead better. Dr. Nate Regeer is CEO and co-founding owner of Next Element, a global leadership advisory firm specializing in building cultures of compassionate accountability. He's co-author of Beyond Drama, Transcending Energy Vampires, and the author of Conflict Without Casualties, a leader's field guide to compassionate accountability. Better yet, he's just released his brand new book, Compassionate Accountability. Hello, Nate. Thanks for joining me today. Frederick, it's great to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah. Well, we always like to start with celebrations, and I might be able to guess what you're celebrating, but just in case I get it wrong, what are you celebrating today? Oh, man. Well, there's lots. I'm excited about the launch of my new book coming up, but I'm also celebrating spring in Kansas. We're having unusually warm weather. And I know it's a little bit cold again, but for now, 67 degrees is a beautiful joy that I'm looking forward to later this afternoon. <laughs> and, and I guess I'll point out to listeners that we're recording this in uh, February or at the end of February, yeah, last day of February. So people may be listening and it's going to be a little bit warm and they'll be looking back going, oh, where was spring? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I've begun starting with the idea of story. So I'm wondering, is there a specific story or experience that drives what you do now? Mm, wow. So many of them. Um, here's an origin story, perhaps short one. My parents were missionaries in Africa with the Mennonite church. And I grew up a missionary kid running around in rural Zaire, which is now the Congo. And uh, with it, without a care in the world, you know, oblivious to what was going on, but maybe kind of like a military kid. But I remember my, my parents used to interact a lot with the elders of the community and sitting around a fire and having conversations late into the night was just a common thing. I would uh, often fall asleep on my mom's lap during these things. And I remember that feeling. And then, you know, they'd put me in bed uh, and I'd wake up the next morning, not knowing what happened. But one night I was awakened in the middle of the night because of bright light outside my window. And my bedroom window looked out over our backyard where our fireplace was. And I, 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 
I saw this bright light. I got up and I looked out the window and there, what had been our little camp, little fire that we were all sitting around was a massive blaze. And what I saw was there was two figures that I could make out around the blaze. One of them was throwing wicker furniture into the fire, like the chairs that we had been sitting on. And the other one was my dad. And he was trying to manage us. And I watched while he uh, dealt with this person who was throwing all the furniture into the fire. And, and in the minute or two that I watched, he handled that situation and de-escalated it. And eventually the two of them were sitting in the only two chairs left having a conversation. Later, I learned that that person was the town demon-possessed person, which we now know probably would be considered paranoid schizophrenia or something like that. But in that culture, in that time, it was considered demon possession. And he probably was having command hallucinations. But my dad connected with him, de-escalated the situation, and they were sitting there talking in the chair. And that's the kind of influence I was around that planted seeds in my seeds in me about there's, there's a better way to deal with conflict. Wow. I love it. And I just think back to so many times in my classroom, which of course aren't as dramatic, but maybe in some sense, every bit is important um, when we deal with students and sometimes adults in crisis. So let's dig in compassionate yeah. accountability. What is it? Well, it's two words that most people don't think would go together. Why do we mash them together? And that's because compassion is so often considered kindness, care, concern, empathy. Our heart goes out for people. We just want to help. And it's about building relationships. And accountability is so often associated with, you know, holding people accountable. We got to get you to toe the line. It's about getting stuff done. And those two are, are seen as being intention. They're so often, we experience them as opposing one another. And so, so many people, leaders especially, as well as parents, teachers, um, are caught in this kind of weird tension in between where it's like, do we try to pick one or the other? Do we try to find a balance? What happens? And so that's what we have, have kind of dedicated our work to is, the breakthrough that occurs when you realize that compassion and accountability aren't actually opposites. Accountability is an element of compassion. And this is a profound breakthrough theoretically and philosophically, but practically um, implementing that is what our whole, whole kind of purpose is about at Next Element. So compassionate accountability is the reality that these two are not intentioned. I love it. This is one of the golden moments right there. Accountability is an element of compassion. So we're going to dig into that statement in a minute. But I know when we talked before we um, before we arranged the podcast, we were talking about relationships and building relationships. And so mm. I want to go there to set the stage. When we talk about building relationships in air quotes, <laughs> what does that what does that actually mean? Well, building relationships, there's so much to that. Some people might think, well, this is trust. 
that's an important part of good, strong relationships where we can count on each other and we feel safe with each other. Building relationships might also mean forming working alliances where we are bringing our gifts and our skills together to be able to um, solve big problems. Uh, and it might be that building relationships means we are cultivating safe places to take risks, to let our real selves be shown. Uh, and so that's all part of it. And what I, th this question was posed to me by one of our clients recently that was doing some team building. She said, when it comes to building strong, trusting teams, do you have to have a trusting team before you can have conflict? Or do you have to have conflict before you can have a strong, trusting team? And the answer is the latter. Conflict is actually one of the processes for building relationships, not one of those things you have to wait for until you have a good relationship. So that would be the last part that I would say is that healthy generative conflict is um, part of relationship building. Can you tell me more? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it all goes back to the root of the word compassion. Compassion comes from the Latin root, meaning to suffer with or to struggle with. And so what does with mean? Um, it means not only we're all in this together, but it means that we are co-struggling. And it means that life inherently is tough. It's hard. And the biggest problems, the biggest challenges aren't going to come easy with some magical solution. Um, and I think the truth of, of humanity is that because we're all different and because diversity is a wonderful part of our creation, we're going to have conflict. We're going to have differences and disagreements. So conflict is almost, we could see it as this built-in energy source that just comes as part of diversity. So we've been given this beautiful source of energy. What are we going to do with it? And so conflict is how we Compassion is how we struggle with people through differences and disagreements to create something amazing on the other side. And it can only happen when we struggle with instead of struggle against or struggle instead of or struggle alone. There's lots of kinds of struggle that are not generative. They're, they're divisive and degenerative. But struggling with is how conflict creates something new and better. Did that get at your question? Um, yeah, but I have about 10 more. <laughs> All right. So I think um, many of us would be listening to this and thinking about hmm, generative conflict. Like I, I think I can kind of imagine what that looks like, but how do I go from that conflict piece to making actually generative? And I guess let's, let's work on yeah. Um, yeah. somewhat of an example. I, the thing that really intrigues me about this is I have encountered teachers who never got feedback in their career Yeah, and they're 10, 15 years in, they're not yeah. great. They're not very good and they're not very happy and they haven't grown, but they never got the feedback. And I think that is an right. ethical failing of leadership. And, and yeah. so I see inherently how the accountability is part of an ethical obligation we have when we're leaders when we have power over people and what i loved about your concept is bringing that compassion i think that helps that helps forge a stronger link yeah. right it's not just an yeah. ethical obligation it's actually what we do as as human beings so yes i've got a teacher the teacher's really struggling 
in my mind, it's going to be a hard conversation in my mind. They're resistant because you know, whatever, but I know as a leader, I need to do this because it's my responsibility and I owe it to them. But now I am also understanding for their good to support them. I need to do this. So I'm I'm anticipating this struggle. (laughs) Yeah. How do, what do I do so that the, I bring this in a way that it is a generative process and it's not just a big, you know, mish mash, (laughs) ugly black thing. That is the million dollar question because the situation you bring up is so relevant and so pervasive and the timing is great for this conversation. Right now we are in the middle of a pretty intensive leadership culture development process with our own school district, working with educators that are, this is the question every day. And we've just had something that made the news in our own district with some, some flap with the board of education And there's a major conflict. Last night's board meeting that was public, that was on the local news and everything was crazy. So this is very relevant for me right now. A couple things. So I think you hit the nail on the head by the first thing we have to realize is that it is not compassionate to avoid hard conversations about feedback that could help someone be better, more fulfilled, more thriving, more up to their own calling. There is nothing nice about not talking to somebody about something that could help them be so much better. That's what it, that's what caring is about. However, there's also no way around it except for conflict because conflict is when we talk about a gap. And you described the gap perfectly. This teacher has potential, but they're not, they're not performing and they could benefit from some feedback on this. They probably could make changes with support and awareness, but I'm afraid to have a conversation because I want to be nice. I don't want to hurt their feelings. I want to be their friend, whatever. Um, so the first thing we have to do is get our mindset right. And we've identified what we call the three switches of the compassion mindset. And these switches are like, we have to turn them on inside before we can go into this because we have to be right with ourselves. And um, I actually, since you have video, I know this video won't be shown, but you're going to see it and you're going to know it's here. Look at this thing. (laughs) These are, what I'm holding up here for those listeners is an actual three wall uh, plate that would go on your wall with three switches in it. And I got labels all over it and I, and I use it as a, as a, as a prop. So these three switches are value, capability, and responsibility. So compassion means that we acknowledge and practice the behaviors that affirm human value, that, that, that by nature of being human, you are inherently valuable, no conditions attached. So we're going to treat you as a human being, no matter what. You're also capable. That's the second switch means you come with experience, gifts, a brain, (laughs) education that, that we're going to invite you into the process of problem solving. You get to be part of this solution. And then human beings are also responsible, which is, which is a tough pill to swallow for a lot of compassion, kindness people is that we also, because we live in community and we have jobs to do and we serve each other, behavior matters. Meeting goals matters, standards matter. So we have to get our mindset right that in every interaction, we're going to affirm and uphold that you and I are valuable, you and I are capable, and you and I are responsible. 
So given that, then that guides what kind of behaviors we can have and what kind of conversations we're going to have. I'll just stop there because that's not the full, like, what do you actually say, but it's about getting our mind right and going in with the right mindset. And, and Nate, right off the bat, the thing that you said that, that I kept hearing was you and I, and, and I, and there's part of the mind switch is moving from this idea that when I confront you with being accountable, it's me against you. But what you've done with value, capability, and responsibility is totally flip that in that it's not me against you. It's me with you. Yeah, it is. And I'm, I'm one of my favorite quotes of all time is from Wayne Dyer. And he said, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. That's pretty powerful. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. So often we think about these tough conversations as something we're doing to somebody. I'm going to hold you accountable. But what it really is about is me changing the way I see myself and you, letting that show through my behavior, and the rest takes care of itself. I can only control me my attitudes, my beliefs, my behaviors, that's all I can control. And when I stop trying to act like I can control you, we're no longer struggling against each other. Um, I come into this laying a foundation and a ground and the groundwork and the context for a conversation that's going to create something amazing because we're in it together now. There's so many places that I want to go with this. Yeah. Uh, and I think, and People can disagree with me. That's fine. I think too often when we work with adults who are struggling, we always want to make it about the kids because we're supposed yeah. to be kid-centered yeah. and kid-focused. But I think we need to make it about the adults too. If you're a teacher and you're struggling as a leader, I need to care about you. It's not You're not just a vehicle to make to help grow kids. Yeah. Yeah. You are, in yourself are valuable. And my gosh, teaching is one of the hardest, hardest jobs, but it's one of the greatest things too. And if you're yeah. coming in and doing the hard part of it every day and you're not seeing kids light up, you're not having kids come back to you and say, thank yeah. you, you've changed my life. If you never get that, and I as a leader could have helped move you there, like what a tragedy that yes. is. It is. And what if we elevated the conversation and said, not only is it not about you or not about me or not about the kids, it's about the relationships. And culture is the sum of every interaction between its people. So the, the, the students that remember that teacher were impacted by that teacher and 20 years later say, you changed my life. What they always talk about is how you related to me. It wasn't how smart you were or how, you know, how you or you knew everything about math or whatever. It was how you treated me. Uh, and, and usually what students will say in one way or another is when I was with you, I felt valuable, I felt capable, and I felt called to be responsible. I got to step up with dignity. They're going to say that in one way or another, that when they felt that way, that's what changed everything for them. So when I change the rules of the game and I interact with you as if we are valuable, capable, and responsible, that's transformative and life-changing. 
And I think we're we're celebrating the release of your book here, and we'll talk more about that when we wrap up. And I'm in the midst of getting my own book ready for publishing, and one of the the, the focus of that book is is the five stage journey from urgent to strategic leadership. Mm. And 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 I love the tie in here because I say that urgent leaders are focused on tasks, but strategic leaders are focused on people. Yeah. And and I was doing some copy for the book and thinking about, you know, at a, at a personal level, how is my day different when I'm a strategic leader? And it's not just what I do, yeah. but I, I just felt so keenly when you're a strategic leader, you are always looking at every interaction is that opportunity, that opportunity to uplift somebody, the opportunity just to be present with somebody yeah. or to give them the time to reflect. And it is that people centric. And it's not that I have to be a great observer of teaching and give you some kind of magic feedback. That's not what it is. It is about being present and building that relationship yeah. and being invested together. I'm with you. And I love that I'm excited for your book because strategic to urgent is, is a way of thinking about when we approach things as urgent, we generally turn our switches off because when they're off, we are responding to habits, reflexes. We're not thinking clearly. We're not being present. We're just doing the things we always do. And we justify it by saying, well, this is, um, this is what I got to do now, or, or we're being reflexive instead of responsive. And when the switches are on, we're being mindful, we're being present, we're being strategic, knowing that we're investing in the future. My daughter, my youngest daughter is going to be a school teacher. I'm so proud of her. And she's a sophomore in college now. And she's starting to visit and starting to experience being in the classroom with second graders and third graders and do this. And she's experiencing new pedagogical techniques, like this idea of learner centered, where I don't just have one way to accomplish something in math. I want to learn about what, what, what strategies and heuristics and rubrics is the child already trying to use. And I start there and we build from there. What an incredible example of strategic interventions, because to do that, I have to practice empathy. I have to treat the child as valuable and capable, meaning I have to be curious about their wisdom and start there. And I have to treat them as responsible, meaning Regardless of how you get there, there still is a right answer. And I'm going to hold you accountable for that, even though you might find your own way there. And I think this is a wonderful example of what you're talking about. Mm. So I'm going to do everything I can to twist your arm and pressure you to come back and have another conversation that, what does that conversation look like, right? When we start to actually yeah, engage, yeah. but I want to stay focused on the three switches because okay. the, you know, the first part to changing your practice is changing your mindset and you've, yep. and you've touched on that. So what are some things that school leaders can do to help develop and strengthen those habits of flipping those switches? Fabulous. And thank you for making that clarification, that boundary, because yes, there's the mindset, which is more of a philosophical attitudinal shift, but then there's the actual skill set. What does it actually look like second by second to have those conversations? And we'll go there. So thank you for that. Well, when we were working with this, um, all the educational leaders, all the principals, all the department heads and the superintendent in our, in our district, we started with the switches of the mindset. 
And the first thing we did is we said, okay, so we're going to teach you about these switches kind of in theory. We'll give you some examples, but we want you to collectively identify two to three behaviors that would illustrate to your people that your switches are on. And we can, we can tell you what the behavior, what all kinds of behaviors might be, but you define them. And so they had to work together as a community to, to agree on, these are the three behaviors that we're going to put out to the community to say, we are working on these three to show you that we're keeping our switches on for ourselves and other people. And it was a long process, but they had to come together and, and by, by working together to create the list, not only did they have to create a common shared mental model of behavior, but they also had to put it out to the community and declare it publicly. And so that was put out there. And then we started surveying the community periodically to say, are you seeing these behaviors? They've declared that they're going to do them. Are you seeing them? And if so, what's an example of an interaction where you saw that the switch was on and experienced it? Uh, so we're starting to collect narrative examples that affirm what these educators are trying to do to change the culture. That was step one. So the, the thing, we just had a moment of silence because these gears were just churning in my head and people have heard throughout my work, um, just in the importance of building common language and common frameworks, and then that mutual accountability piece. And I think you, we need to have teachers that are always focused on growing and getting better, no matter where you are, at least the, what's the next step. But the first part of that is having leaders who are focused every yeah. day on getting better and, and who ha are making that public account, that public declaration, and then the accountability. Yeah. So I just see this as such a powerful practice. Yes. And, and you, you, you said in order to have this, we have to have this and to have this, we have to have this. And yes, it starts at the top, but what we're discovering that I bet is the case in so many um, educational or, or organizations is that the top leaders keep being asked to do more role model this. Now you got to turn your switches on, blah, blah, blah. It's like they all are working in their own little isolated worlds as well. And so one of the first things we did was start to create community among these ex executive leaders, top leaders to say, you aren't alone in your struggle. We're all struggling together and we can have empathy for each other and support each other because it's lonely. It's hard. You're getting hammered from the board on one day and you're getting hammered from your teachers on the other day. And then you're getting hammered from the budget on the next day. You can't, you can't win. So they have to have a tight community to help them be resilient to go do this. Um, but it is so true that when those teachers feel supported, empowered, part of something bigger themselves and equipped to grow and learn every day, they're going to stay. But Keeping great teachers is hard. Our district's probably no different than many. Um, and, and we're dealing with all these same kinds of issues, more homeschooling, COVID, um, it, it, more crisis, just more tension, more div divisiveness. Teachers, this is hard. And so I think what you're saying is so critical in order to keep and, and nurture great teachers. So as, as we wrap this up, I have two important questions for you. The first is, speaking of growth, what part of your own leadership are you still trying to get better at? 
I'll give you a little sneak peek into our next session, which is the three competencies of compassion accountability. It's openness, resourcefulness, and persistence. Openness is about vulnerability, about a human emotional connection, about starting first with relationships before we get on to business. That's my um, weak spot. That is where I struggle because I'm wanting to move on. I'm wanting to solve problems. Let's get down to business. And so stopping and creating place for that, opening my heart and putting aside my need for action and strategy and and how much time we're wasting in this meeting. I just have to put all that aside and say connection before content. That's my, I need help. I work on it every single day. And every time I do, it pays off. Thank you for sharing that. It's sure. just so critical and so important. Mm. And many of us, myself included, struggle with that as well. So there, there's so much here to take away in, the, in today's show. Uh, but if listeners could take away just one thing, what would that be? I would say that from today, from what we've talked about, the one thing is that mindset matters. And a compassion mindset means you're getting yourself right first before you go try to change the world. And when you do, you don't have to worry about controlling everybody else. And before we go, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, I'm excited about the book. And um, when you're listening to this, the book will be available for sale, Compassionate Accountabilities, a Compassionate Accountability, How Leaders Build Connection and Get Results. Today, we just talked about the mindset. The book also has a whole bunch about what really is compassion and how do you implement it in your organization for culture change. So I'll, I'll do a wrap up um, once we're done here and I'll make some suggestions to listeners, but I know the main suggestion is going to be listen to this podcast, forward this to other members of your leadership team and maybe some of your teacher leaders and think about the transformative power behind what we've talked about, about that mindset shift. I'm, I'm always emphasizing mindset shift, but what you've laid out in those specific three switches, I think is so valuable because it's so concrete. Mm. And we just, you just touched on a process, which I'm sure that process is in the book. So folks listening, share the podcast with other people in your organization and talk about a great book study and something that's practical because it's going to have value beyond just the, the compassionate account, accountability, beyond just working with a couple of teachers, right? This is going to change and impact the way you operate on multiple levels. And yep. really, it sounds like a, a huge culture shift too. So I think that's, that's going to be my call to action in a few minutes. Y'all will hear me repeat this again. Nate, this has been fantastic. Um, where should people go to contact you or to order the book? What do they need to do? It's on our website and just go to compassionateaccountabilitybook.com. Or you can go to our website, next-element.com, and you can get there the same way. And on that website, there's all kinds of free resources. You'll be able to get ways to implement it, assessments, book study guides, everything you need. Okay. And uh, I'll be seeing you again soon because we're going to do a follow-up 
to this. Absolutely. And we'll tease that and, and and we'll release that maybe in August after people have had a chance to dig in a little bit. Sounds good. Nate, this has been great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. It's a pleasure. All right. Take care. Well, colleagues, what a powerful episode this has been. There are so many ideas presented today, but I specifically want to focus you on two of them. First, Nate said, culture is the sum of every interaction between people. And this is such an amazing concept, and it explains why strategic leaders can grow and sustain positive cultures. While urgent leaders move from task to task without ever being fully present, without creating powerful interactions with others, Strategic leaders prioritize people and are fully present, and they actively seek to enhance their relationships with others. Secondly, mindset is everything, and we can learn to flip the switches to reinforce having a positive mindset every day. I love the process Nate shared of developing a common understanding of what the three switches, value, capability, and responsibility, look like, and then asking teachers for help in focusing on the switches. After all, if we want teachers to be responsible for continual growth, shouldn't it begin with us as leaders modeling what continual growth looks like? And if we want to be partners in teachers' growth, shouldn't we first invite them to be partners in our own growth? So what do we do with this? I encourage you to share this episode with other school leaders, including teacher leaders, Discuss the content with your team and consider reaching out to Nate or investing in a set of his books to use as a book study. At the very least, ask yourself, what are the behaviors that show that you have flipped your switches, your switches of valuing others, your switches of believing in the capability of others, and the switch of valuing others, the switch of believing in the capability of others, and the switch of embracing joint responsibility. What does that look like? What does it sound like? How do people know that you have flipped those three switches? Thank you for including me on your leadership journey. Remember that you can walk more with me by subscribing to my daily leadership email at frederickbuskey.com. I look forward to seeing you again on Friday when we recap this week's daily emails. I'm Frederick Buskey, and thank you again for joining me on this episode of the Assistant Principal Podcast. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Cheers.